Who am I? What is me? Losing my identity. Hello and welcome to episode 18 of Two-Face Fake Snakes. I'm Professor T and with me as always... No, shit. Sorry. Hello and welcome to episode 18 of Open Us. I'm Trainer and with me as always is my co... Fuck, no. Hello and welcome to episode 18 of Feckin' Metal. I'm your host, Fergal Trainer. That's the one. Now, last week I brought you a bit of a different episode. I decided to review an entire album by Haunt, another entire album by Sabre, and I decided to look at individual tracks by Dread Sovereign and Accept. Something completely different for me, which I've never done before. I found this a bit daunting, as I said last week on my episode, but I decided that I should try and mix it up, try and do a few different things. And I was in possession of an early copy of the album by Haunt. So I thought, why not release an episode that's a bit of an exclusive and has clips from an album that uh, isn't released yet. And for those interested, I did get permission from Trevor and from Sabre to include clips of their albums on the episode. So I'm not just willy-nilly inserting 25 clips into an episode and assuming that it's okay and that I won't get caught and um, <laughs> that, that that's fine to do. Uh, one thing I, I was thinking afterwards was, I don't know if I, I will go down the album reviewing route as a general or regular thing on Feckin' Metal. That episode was a bitch to edit. There were as I said, over 25 clips in it. And listening back to the audio, like obviously I record the audio first of just me speaking and I leave placeholders for where I want to include a clip. And then later on, you go back and you include a clip. Anyone who was a podcaster is listening to this is just going, yeah, yeah, we we know all that. But, you know, for the general Joe and Josephine soaps, maybe they might not realize that. So I, I would say something like, this is track six from Haunt, Beautiful Destruction. And I'm just going to play you as uh, the second solo here. Uh, and I was as I was listening back to my own audio, just me speaking, each time I suggested to include a clip, I was cursing myself, going, you fucking asshole. Why did you include so many sections where you had to insert a clip? You absolute dickhead. Um... Lots of swearing here in the intro, but you know what? This is explicit. It always has been, and I make no apologies for that. But yeah, I was listening back to it, and I was going, oh my God, why did you leave so many sections in that episode where you had to insert clips? And I was at my wit's end, and and that's why the episode was three days late, because I had never done an episode so complex in editing before, and I just had a mental block against it. Anyway, you know what? It worked out grand in the end. It was all good. It was all fine. Um... And, uh, yeah, I got some decent feedback about that. People mentioned that they enjoyed listening to it and en- enjoyed the clips. Um, but I did have some other feedback. So a uh, friend of the show, Alejandra, on Twitter, uh, mentioned that she finds it hard to get into new bands, even though she did enjoy the episode. Um, and I was having a bit of back and forth with Alejandra on Twitter, and she mentioned that she might try and get into one new band per week in 2021 to you know try to um move on from the classic bands so she she made an analogy saying that she is like the type of person who when they go to a restaurant that they know and love they'll order the same meal over and over again because they know that they like that meal instead of trying something new off the menu 
And I went back and I completely laboured the analogy and probably just, it was a, it was a poor example, but I said something like, um, if I knew that the restaurant were closing down in the future, I would eat from other restaurants because when the restaurant eventually does close down, I might not like anything else that's on offer. And afterwards I was like, that's a horrendous analogy. And I completely took what, Alejandra had said and just chopped it up and made a balls of it but what I what I really meant was that um, the reason I deliberately try to listen to newer bands is because the likes of Iron Maiden, Judas Priest, Guns N' Roses, uh, ACDC, all those bands like they're going to be gone in a, in let's say 10 years time they have to be gone almost have to be maybe they won't maybe they'll all prove me wrong and they'll all still play music into their 80s but most realistically i think most realistically i think that um those bands will probably be gone in 10 years and my my logic is that if i don't sample what's available now that's not a headlining act you know the more underground bands if i don't sample what's available now and if i don't get interested in that and actually make an effort to get interested in that when all these headlining acts are gone, the ones I just mentioned, um, I won't know, firstly, what's available to listen to. Like, you know, all these bands that are probably moving up the bill, I, I won't know who they are. And also, I won't be connected with or have an emotional investment in any of the current crop of bands. And I, I suppose I was thinking of it more from a live gigs perspective, but I was also thinking of it from a future album releases perspective as well. So everyone can go back and listen to the classic Iron Maiden albums and ACDC albums and Guns N' Roses albums and Wasp albums or whatever for the rest of their lives. But I think what keeps music fans going is the potential for a new release. You know, we all get excited when we see a press release, for example, saying there is a new album coming out by X band or whatever. Um, and, and when the bands that I just listed eventually finish for whatever reason, there won't be any forthcoming press releases. I suppose the only ones that will be forthcoming are things like we've dug into the archives and we found some um, B-side from 1976 or, you know, whatever. But the reason I try to keep up with current underground heavy metal is I think this will eventually be the heavy metal of the future. I find bands that I like, I listen to them and I support them, um, as I as I said on last week's episode. And I think this is like kind of like a... Um, plan for the future for me because if I'm going to see Visigoth in a small venue in 20 not was it, Jesus it was 2020 I went and saw them and I had it was such a fantastic show that they left such an, such an impression on me that I will go and see them at any available opportunity for the rest of my life or the rest of their career so I'm hoping that they are going to become one of these bands that I can grow up with. I know I'm 35, but like I, I can grow with and like I can say, yeah, I saw them in Camden in, you know, 2020. Uh, but it, like this time uh, at this point, it'll be 20, 2025 or 2030 and they'll be playing the three arena in Dublin or they'll play, be playing the O2 in London or whatever. Um, and I can have seen them all along the way from the small club gigs, the very small bars to the arenas and the stadiums and I mean, who knows if that will happen like the music industry is so 
um, unpredictable and it's it's such a mystery as to what's going to happen in 10 years time it's it's like it, it doesn't seem to be set on a course anymore like I'd say you could say in the 50s and 60s and 70s the music industry was set on a course uh, you had vinyl records you had you know 45s and I don't know probably 78s and um and and singles as well and then you had radio stations and you had live concerts and in the 50s and 60s and 70s and 80s that was pretty much the same the 80s mtv came in kind of changed things quite a lot and in the 90s um you know there were different music genres came into the fold that changed things a lot the 2000s 2020s digital music changed things um and it it's changed it forever more and we don't know really what the future is going to be for underground music or for heavy metal or for rock music. Um, but I, I kind of see it, the tide is turning a bit back towards physical releases. Vinyl has done better in uh, 2020 than I think it has done since 1991. I might be... No, I think I'm correct on that. Um, I think I'm correct on that. It's It's done better in 2020 than it did since 1991 so vinyl record releases have sold more copies in 2020 than they have done since any year back until 1991 uh, so people are getting more interested in the physical release uh, people are are digitally buying stuff online from the likes of Bandcamp and stuff like that smaller independent bands are getting a bit of a buzz about them so so who knows maybe in five ten years we will be seeing the likes of these bands i've mentioned the underground metal bands headlining stadiums and headlining stages and as i said last week that's what i'd love to see so i want to keep invested in that i want to keep up with what's current and i'm not talking about all the heavy metal that's going on there's plenty of heavy metal i don't listen to i do listen to heavy metal that i personally like and i i think that's the only thing that anyone can do so for anyone out there who's like i find it hard to listen to new bands i find it hard to investigate new artists i like to listen to my old favorites i like to listen to iron maiden or acdc or guns and roses or wasp or judas priest or whatever what I would suggest is go and investigate one or two bands. Uh, go and investigate the new wave of traditional heavy metal full albums YouTube channel. This is something I've spoken about before on the podcast. It's available on YouTube for free for anyone who wants to you know, investigate it. It's NWOTHM, new wave of traditional heavy metal albums, uh, sorry, full albums, youtube channel and you can sit there for free and listen to a full album of a band that has recently released music that is in the style of classic heavy metal but has been released recently so i think that's a great resource and i think it's a great uh, depository of music that's recent and is available for free on the internet and is uh, it's it's basically like a sampler of all of the heavy metal and it like i mean not all of the heavy metal but the, the the type of heavy metal that you probably will like if you find yourself listening to this podcast put it that way so for people who are daunted by the fact that uh, the classic bands are, are something they return to again and again and again and they find it too difficult to listen to newer bands go and investigate the new wave of traditional heavy metal full albums page on youtube and just dip into what's available you can listen to one song two songs three songs whatever you want and decide whether you like an artist if you do then maybe you can go and try and look them up on spotify bandcamp or whatever you decide to do um, and then in a year's time if they're playing a concert maybe you can go and see that
So, I mentioned on recent episodes that I have a couple of guests lined up, but they're in various stages of completion or confirmation. Um, next week, I do have a guest almost certainly going to be on the episode. I don't normally like to announce guests, and I'm not going to announce this one. The only reason I announced Blaze last week is because I was certain he was going to appear on the episode, even before I'd recorded it. The whole process from Blaze's management was very professional respectful and just um it was just like they had everything down to a t like it was like yes contact us this time contact us then we'll confirm on this date uh blaze will do it uh give us give us the time that you want him to do it etc etc so i was certain that blaze was going to do it. next week i have somebody who is very influential in the underground heavy metal scene somebody you might say is an unsung hero uh somebody who has started from nothing and built themselves up as a very very important figure in underground heavy metal and somebody who has had a part to play with many different guests that i have had on uh, feckin metal since the very beginning so this person has had a part to play in the success of these bands careers bands whose members I have featured on previous episodes of Feckin' Metal. I'm very much looking forward to speaking to this person. I won't say who it is yet, but if you tune in next week, I'm 99.9% sure I'm going to have an interview with this person, so please stay tuned to Feckin' Metal for that. Now, as I mentioned last week on Feckin' Metal, my guest this week is none other than Blaze Bailey, the former vocalist from Iron Maiden, but also a very successful solo artist in his own right, about to release his 11th studio album, War Within Me. There are plenty of questions I didn't get to ask him, but you can't go into these things with a wish list, really. Um, I mainly stayed away from Iron Maiden. I realised that Blaze is doing a lot of media currently, and you know he's going to be discussing that with various different people, specifically Uncle Steve's Iron Maiden podcast, where he talked about a lot of Iron Maiden, but that is the place for that on an Iron Maiden podcast. As I said before, this is not an Iron Maiden podcast, despite the fact that I am a massive Iron Maiden fan. But um, yeah, I just thought the whole process with Blaze's management was very professional, very respectful. I certainly did not expect to receive an advanced copy of his forthcoming album, War Within Me. And when I listened to it, I thought to myself, all right, all right. No, sorry. What am I saying? I thought to myself when I listened to it, yeah, I liked it. Oh, shit, sorry. I thought to myself, this is a fantastic hard rock album. Jeez, no, sorry. I thought, yeah, this is like awesome. No, shit, sorry. I don't know what I'm saying. I thought it was deadly. No, no, sorry. I thought that it was a fantastic heavy metal album from Blaze Bailey, a man who left Iron Maiden in 1999 and has been producing heavy metal albums himself since the year 2000. And it's still going in 2021. An album as good as this almost has no business being released by an artist of his vintage and who has had his story and his history, but it is absolutely fantastic. It follows on from the Infinite Entanglement trilogy, which delivered quality in spades, the album is War Within Me. I can't wait until it's released and we can all talk about it on Twitter, online and just all enjoy the new heavy metal album from Blaze Bailey. And without further ado, not a Jew as some people say, which grinds my gears. Uh, this is the interview I conducted with Blaze Bailey this week. Enjoy. <laughs>
But uh, so as long if you're hearing me okay, that's great. I'm hearing you perfectly well, yeah. It's all good on this end. Um okay, look, thanks very much for joining. I really appreciate it. Um I've done quite a few interviews and I have to say this is the only one I've actually been nervous about beforehand. Yeah. Because <laughs> you because of my reputation as a total bastard. <laughs> that's it, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm hoping that's why. You know, I've got this terrible reputation. Oh, it's followed you around for years, yeah. Yeah, yeah. thanks. Thanks. <laughs> I don't know how you get anything done. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, no, not at all. No, just because, uh, well, you're, you're a personal hero of mine and I was a massive fan of, of the X Factor growing up and I got into your solo stuff after that and it was just, uh, you've been with me a lot of my life and um, yeah, I just really appreciate your music and always have. Thank you for your support. Thank you very much. So I received a promo copy of your new album, War Within Me, from your manager um, and I have listened to it and I have to say it's an excellent album. How many times have you listened to it? About three times true, I'd say. Oh, great, great. You've got a vibe of the beginning to the end now. Yeah, very, very positive, very uplifting kind of songs on there. Um, was this inspired by the lockdown? Like, is this your reaction to the coronavirus lockdown? It's a long story, really. Um, what happened was, you know, I knew that I wanted to do something positive. And I'd had a meeting with my manager um just who is just fantastic and uh <laughs> he said to me when can i expect the next studio album and we just finished like the third part of my trilogy and man the work that was three years, three albums, three tours, every, you know, oh, man. And I, I thought about it seriously, and I said, to do something meaningful that is quality, I need two years to recover now. Yeah. Mentally and physically, I need two years before I go, bam, into a – a process that is going to be so focused and consuming. I could make an album and I could make another album the following year, but it just would not have the depth yeah. and the emotion and the truth that the trilogy had. It just wouldn't because you just know you'd be like trying to, Force things used. We used everything, everything on that trilogy. So he 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 just said, "Oh, well, <laughs> it's a good job we've got some catalog to bring out on vinyl, <laughs> so was, and two live albums to make." So uh, so that was it. So I got all of this time to settle down. And he said, "What do you?" He said, "Then he said, what do you think it will be about?" I said, "I think it'll be about heroes." Ordinary heroes, you know, and the, uh, um, you know, uh, people like scientists. As a, I wanted to to write about again, and uh, and we had a couple of ideas still in the vault. Chris and I, a couple of little things. And what happened was we he then it's very. I like to work this way with deadlines. So we go right two years. You go okay. So if it was to come out 
in spring of 21. That would mean mastering finishes here. That means that mixing finishes there, artwork is there, songs are good, yeah, yeah. and it goes like this. Right, so you've got to start at this date. So, okay. so that was it. So, so it was, all right, scheduled recording is now 2020. No problem, great. And uh, we did our South American tour. Uh, just it, it was crazy, but it went great. And we got back, and as we came into Paris, everybody's wearing masks, posters up, and get your hand gel, and, and you're like, what? The yeah, yeah. sister had sent me a couple of messages about it, and I'm like, well, and there, there you are, got up close and personal, and then we get the first lock. Well, we get, we do the last, one of the last live shows in Europe, we, which I really thought they were going to pull it, was Burfest in London oh, yes. in March. Yep. And it was a fantastic show, sold out, 500 people, not a mask in sight. And, <laughs> uh, and it was, we all had our gel, but we didn't have any mask or anything. And it was just fantastic. And we were scheduled to start recording, you know, Chris and I to start getting uh, meetings together and, and start writing. And... I wanted to do something positive. And then as the lockdown came, I thought, you know what? There's something here. My fans support me and they're loyal to me and they make it possible for me to live my dream. And I have this great privilege and honour that they let me inside their head. Okay. And, right, what am I going to say? What am I going to say when I'm in there? And I wanted to make sure that I was saying, when things feel hopeless, there is still something you can do. Okay, yeah. When you feel you can't go forward, you can still stand up. When that storm has your name on it and it surrounds you and you really don't know if you can hang on, the storm will pass. Right, and you have that song, um, Every Storm Ends, and actually the and that, last... That's what it is, and that's, uh, that's the emotions and darkness I went through when my relationship ended, and I had to face coming home to an empty house mm. and being on my own, uh, and that's, that's what I faced, that's the the story of the emotions that I felt and I'm not unique or special in that way. And, you know, so many people go through that and almost everybody goes through a feeling like that at some point in their life. Yeah. And I wanted that as a, as something I didn't hold back anywhere on the album emotionally. 
And one of the last songs that we did was War Within Me. And that was something that Chris had this a really great demo for with drums and guitars and everything. And it, it was a finished song. And uh, he said, well, I've got this. I said, okay, leave it with me. Because what happened was horrible that festivals were cancelled. Yeah. But it meant that every festival that was cancelled was an extra three days that we had yeah. for working on the album because we didn't have to go to the festival, perform and come back. And it just, there it was. And uh, I said, leave that with me. And, you know, we had a, a break. And then I I was looking at some of the notes that I make for my meditation and, you know, just keep myself going. And a couple of things stood out. And I thought, I wonder if that's a lyric. And I tried it with what Chris had done, and it was. And... There it was. It, it came out that constant battle mm. between the self-destructive, negative, evil side and the positive, pick yourself up, kind and generous side that is always there, the, the better nature and the cruel beast that is within all of us. And yes. that battle that I haven't always won, that's what I thought could be the lyric. And as it started going, it just came together. And uh, I sent Chris a demo of it, and he said, no, man, these lyrics are really good. He said, I really like them. And then later on I said, you know what? I think this is an album title. And then when I spoke to the artist and I said, it's a war inside my head. That's that this inside, that's what's going on. And then he found a way to portray that in the artwork for the album. And then all the other songs that are about something. One is about Stephen Hawking. So you've got Stephen Hawking's chair being drawn into a black hole. <laughs> and you've got a little tiny Nikola Tesla controlling some lightning as well. And then you've got the Enigma from Alan Turing. Uh, so it, it came together, really. But I felt that it had to be positive and uplifting. And as we sat here and went through things, it was, is that the best chord to have under there? Is, does, it, does it move like that? Does it does it come up? What does it do? What's the emotion that we're getting from it? What's the journey of the song? And then, in the context of the album, what does it mean? And how is the album feeling as an overall piece of work that you're going to ask people to live with and be part of them? And they're going to trust you and they're going to go, no, it's a Blaze album. It's always good. Wow, that's so much pressure. Got to, <laughs> so if people are saying it's always got, and everybody said the trilogy was good, yeah, <clears throat> it better be something. Yeah, and so that that was it. it. Was a huge amount of pressure, but I was constantly going, "We've got to be positive, man. We've got to be positive. We've got to make this the album 
that when people feel they're sick to death of lockdown, of all of this, and that they've had enough, that's the album they've got to reach for. Okay, so yeah, there's there's very positive songs in it. You've said "War Within Me," "Warrior" as well. Pull yourself up, um, and then you've got a uh, "Every Storm Ends." And then the final lyrics you actually sing on the album are "Your heart will heal and your tears will dry." Every storm ends. I thought that was a really nice way to end the album, and it's very thematically linked to a lot of the the songs on the album. Yeah, it's um, something that happened as we we wrote with. Um, this guitar. So I've got this old acoustic guitar. So what mm-hmm. we did was we made a decision early on that we would write every song acoustically and we would demo every song acoustic, apart from the War Within Me, which Chris had written the music for, and Witch's Night, which we already had as a demo and we'd had that around for a couple of years. Okay. But all the rest, we focused on the tone of voice, the melody and the lyric and the journey of the song. And Every Storm Ends was one that we did the demo for, which is just here singing in the room and with with the guitar. And it, I couldn't stop listening to it. And I would have it on my headphones. I'd, I'd put a playlist with it on a few times over. And I just couldn't stop listening to that song. I knew something was there. And um, it was a challenge to get it to where it is because it was loaded with emotion. Mm. And every little turn we took, we went, is that taking it away from the emotion or are we taking people towards the next step of the journey? So it, it was tough, man, because that initial demo, which is very raw and just the one verse repeated, was just spellbinding. So uh, it's good. So, But the way it has turned out is really good. It's fantastic. I'm so pleased with it. It, it was one of my favourites, certainly. Now, uh, you mentioned the... Um... Uh, Nikola Tesla. He also wrote a song about Alan Turing, who's a mathematician. Not your standard heavy metal fair uh, subject matter. Well, for no, but song. it is Blaze Bailey. <laughs> um, I've done Galileo. Uh, so, uh, and, uh, another couple. Uh, who, who else? I've just come to my mind. But, um, yeah, I've mentioned, uh, I've done a song about Galileo. And I've mentioned the Higgs boson particle <laughs> in the start, in a lyric. I was so proud man, when I did that. But when I when I got Higgs boson rhyming and it made sense and it wasn't cheesy, I was like, yes, yes. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so you know, people know me for being interested in in these uh, in science fiction and and things like this. So uh, I am interested in scientists and I I wanted to do something about real heroes Mm. and Nikola Tesla was a hero because he was so altruistic. He wanted to give the world free power. Mm. 
Um, but nobody wanted that because, of course, nobody's going like, to get rich off that. But that was his idea. That's what he wanted to do, amongst many incredible discoveries and ideas that he had. And uh, also it's a little bit telepathic because he had a dream when he was a child of a water wheel. And later on, he built the first hydroelectric power yeah. in um, Niagara Falls. So that was very interesting. And Alan Turing, it can be argued, made such a significant contribution to the war effort with what he discovered and breaking the Enigma code that he, a large part of beating the Nazis was down to Alan Turing. Stephen Hawking, I wanted to do something that was about the man, not his accomplishments in cosmology, Hmm. But I feel the real story is he was diagnosed with three years to live. Yes. And he didn't accept it. <laughs> and 49 years later, mm. he's giving lectures around the world to stop scientists and students and he can't even speak he has no voice know, but he's yes. giving lectures to people 49 <laughs> years after he's supposed to be dead <laughs> now yeah. for me that's the biggest part of the stephen hawking story a mm. man that refused just wouldn't accept it you've got most the doctor said most people that received this diagnosis, diagnosis are dead in three years. And yeah. it, it just carried on. You might uh, call him the man who would not die. Could do, yeah. <laughs> Good. Okay, yeah, very inspiring stuff there. Um, I wanted to ask you a question about the, there's a, a quote from you in the press release um, that came with the album there from your manager. And uh, you mentioned that um, as metal fans, as fans of metal music, we tend to be damaged, strange, and different in some way. And this album is about taking your future in your own hand. Now, could you elaborate on that? Do you, do you find that's commonplace amongst metal fans, that they're damaged in some way? Well, you know, I think I know it's, a, it's a terrible generalization, but mm. so many of us are nerdy geeks living in our own head. Yeah, you know that's it. I I am, you know, I have been. I've got exactly that. So I, I don't say that to insult anybody. I just say, well, that's who I've been. I've been that person living in my head, and I've been that person that thought too much and didn't get out enough and things like that. And we imbue or take from the music that we listen to more than people do other kinds of music. I feel maybe that's arrogant, but I feel that with metal, we live with the music and it's so, it can be very, very powerful when you get it right. It is uplifting 
and incredible and will make you feel great and it will get your emotions and make you stand and raise your fist when it's done well. And that is a very, very beautiful thing and, and it can grab you. So I feel I'm one of those people that was in my bedroom listening to a cassette and finding meaning that perhaps wasn't intended by the writer, but that's, that's who I was. And I know I meet a lot of fans who say to me, your music has meant a lot to me. Your lyrics have meant a lot. I got through some very difficult times listening to your music. Now, that's not because I'm special or my music is special. That's because that person in that time happened to be across that album and it connected with them at that time. It could have been another album. Sure. But it's still, for me, it's very humbling when people say that, when they share those stories. I just heard incredible stories at my meet and greets from fans about things that they've been through. So it just makes it feel much more important to me to work hard and also give everything I've got to that music and to that lyric. And there's the standard. And I try to meet that every time and, and keep going. So, so yeah, that's, that's it. I, I'm talking constantly in my lyrics to that broken person, okay. to someone who is different. I mean, you get, we all wear black. <laughs> You know, we all look the same. We're all, you know, if you want to dress up, you put on a clean T-shirt, a black one. Yeah. You know, it's just, that's that's what we're like. So, black um, black T-shirt on now. Yeah, that, uh, that's it. Uh, one other thing, I wanted to go back in time a bit to the song Identity. So this was on your first solo album, uh, Silicon Messiah. And you, you mentioned there about reading into lyrics by uh, musicians and maybe something they didn't intend to write and maybe I've done this here but I just want to read a couple of lyrics from it so psychological confusion is caused by the inability to reconcile different elements in my own personality I'm feeling all the wrong things I have become my own shadow uh, if I could justify things then I could believe in my life who am I what is me losing my identity now I wanted to ask you did you feel after leaving Iron Maiden that you had lost your identity as a musician or as a person Identity is a theme that I often go back to because what defines you? How do you define yourself? What makes you this person? You know, the part of it is, yes, your experiences and your feelings, but another part of it is the reflection of you from other people and how they react to you. And is your job your identity? So many of us, our job is our identity. Mm. It's I am a electrician. I am a 
carpenter. I am a driver. I am a singer. So, yeah, after Iron Maiden, it was the first time I hadn't been in a band mm. for years. Yeah. And that felt strange and horrible. Okay. To not be in a band felt horrible. And it was it was just a, a very difficult time and a difficult adjustment to make. And I I thought I'm not gonna right, I'm just I'm gonna write songs, get a band together and make an album. It, I don't know if that was the right thing to do. But that's how I reacted to it. And I thought if I if I get my out, I know I can write songs. I know that I can work to a deadline. And if I get my album out in time, maybe I'll have some success. Um, so I got my I did get a band together. I got my songs written, some of them which I think are really good yeah. on Silicon Messiah. But I couldn't get the album out on time because I was at that time still hung up on the idea of having to release an album through a record company. Yeah. Which was wrong because I could have started my own record company at that point, but I didn't have the understanding or confidence to do that. So yeah, that was, that was it. It, 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 identity is changing and it's flexible and who we were when we were 14 is not who we are when we were, when we are 18 and not who we are when we're 30. Yes. And it's, it's not who we are when we are 50, but we still have part of our personality is that 14-year-old that started <laughs> yeah. listening to heavy metal. It's still part of us. Yeah. And it's a part of us that goes, how can I look like this? I'm 14. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I still feel 20 in my head. Yeah, um, that's it. Yeah, I'm uh, okay. I'm, I'm conscious of your time here. I'm going to finish on a slightly uh, quirky note. So you appeared on uh, Pointless, Pointless Celebrities, as they yeah, call it. Yeah, not just appeared. That's it. I won it. Yeah, <laughs> I won it. So uh, let's get it. Facts uh, right there. Well, how, how did that come about, and how did you find that experience? Well, it's one of the things is uh, being so old and being around so long, my fans have got into important jobs. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> so so uh, they were doing uh, one for musical people, and one of the producers on the show, or researchers, um, they said, right, we need to get some people, musical people for the musical celebrities. And he goes... I want Blaze from Wolf Spain because he was there at the marquee when we made the Massive Noise Injection album. Right. Okay. And he goes, I see. And he just looked me up. I'm easy to find, really, on the internet. Yeah. So he looked me up, like a thing came through, and he was like, Oh, would you come and be on the point of celebrities? And, I, and uh, my manager said, Oh, I'm not sure with the flights. I said, hmm. If I'm free that day, we have to do it. Yeah. It'd just be huge for us. 
And uh, and so we did, and they treated me like gold, man. It was great. But I got there, I had to, I, I had to travel overnight to get there. So I couldn't go to a hotel. I went from the airport to the studio, but I was early because I'd got this overnight flight. And uh, I said, would it be okay to just sleep here for a couple of hours? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> that was it. There so I, I was there in the dressing room. I got there, I was like... <sighs> Yeah. And I, luckily, I managed to get a couple of solid hours, and I was okay for the show. But it was Very a good. lot of fun. Uh, and those guys that do it, are yeah, so smart. Yeah. Wow. Were you a fan of the show beforehand? No, no, no not okay. at all. No, uh, the guy that does all the videos with me, uh, Rich Pembridge, who uh, does the DVDs and videos and all of that, he knew it. He because he's at home most of the time, you know, and. Uh, he watched that every Saturday night, and but I wasn't a big fan of the show before. I watched, I made sure that I watched a lot of episodes before I went on it. Yeah, but it was good. It was a lot of fun to do, man. And one of the really lovely things that happened is friends from way back saw it and and got in touch with me and said, "Oh, no I way. saw you on Pointless," and I'm like, "Oh, great!" You know, it's a, <laughs> that was, it was really nice. That a really nice thing. Very good. Um, so just finally, there was a part where there was a question that was about Motorhead. They played a Motorhead song and you hesitated for a second. And I think you said you you felt you'd lose all your heavy metal credibility if yeah, you didn't get that, that one right. Yeah, that was it. Because it instant, you know it. <laughs> yeah. And you go, it's not a trick, is it? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, so, because I, I, I just, uh, that was it. So nervous, man. Yeah, yeah. The most okay. obvious thing, it had to be there. Bang, I couldn't fail to get that. Yeah, I, I was delighted when you got it anyway. Uh, so, okay, look, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Um, I've really enjoyed your new album. Hopefully, soon enough, or maybe in a few months' time, you can get out on the road again. Uh, I did meet you a couple of times in person. I met you at Sabaton Open Air in 2018. Oh, yeah. And I, I met you in Dublin in 2011 as well, or 2012 maybe, actually. Um, so uh, looking forward to hopefully seeing you again on a tour somewhere, uh, on a stage somewhere. And I, I'm sure you're hoping that too. This must be the longest it's been in 20 years since you've, without playing gigs. Yeah, well, you know, I can't complain about it because I, I've spent so many years getting in and out of a van, yeah. getting on a plane, mm. walking through an airport, you know, uh, that's it, eating crap food, fast food. Mm. So the first lockdown was weird, but then we were making the album and doing the writing. It was kind of normal. And then now, um, now I'm getting up in my house and going to watch my telly that I never watched before. And every day has certainty in it which over all of these years, there's so much uncertainty that you never know what you're going to do or if the van's going to break down or if the flight will be delayed or what the weather will do. Will anybody come to the gig? That, well, okay, I'm at home, I do my interviews, I'm writing my novel and I'm writing my Wolfsbane album. That's it. And every day I'm in the same place. And to me... I'll probably go crazy, you know, in a few months. But at the yeah. moment, for me, it's good. 
Very good. Okay, look, thank you very much, Blaze. I really appreciate it. It was great to chat to you. Best of luck with the album and anything you have planned in the future and the Wolfsbane album as well, and your novel, actually. In fact, you've got a lot of irons in the fire at the moment. But uh, yeah, t- cheers. Really appreciate it. And hopefully I'll see you again, uh, maybe not too long. Thank you. Good luck. Cheers. Thanks for your support, mate. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. So that was Blaze Bailey. Make sure to follow Blaze on blazebailey.co.uk or on Facebook at Official Blaze Bailey. <sighs> what can I say? That was, um, well, it was a dream come true to interview Blaze, and I really enjoyed it, and I'm very grateful to him and his management for granting me the interview. I'd love to speak to him again at some point. Maybe that will happen in the future. But for now, Blaze has a new album coming out. It's called War Within Me. It's going to be out on the 21st of April of 2021. Keep an eye out for that. Keep an eye out for everything to do with Blaze, as I said, at blazebailey.co.uk or at official Blaze Bailey on Facebook. That's going to do it for me for this episode of Feckin' Metal. As I said, next week I hope to speak to a person who's been very influential uh, regarding the underground metal scene perhaps an unsung hero, perhaps somebody you might not expect me to interview on the podcast, or maybe you might, I don't know, it depends how deep into it you you are. Uh, but anyway, that's going to do it for me this week for Feckin' Metal. I appreciate you listening. Uh, contact me at Feckin' Metal Cast on Twitter, uh, at Feckin' Checkin on Facebook, and you can contact me at feckinmetal at gmail.com. That's it for me for this week. Thank you and good night.